welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to start with a question. What do you think is the world's most powerful motivator? What is the world's most powerful motivator? And you might be thinking, you know, in your head, money. Money is a powerful motivator. Or you might be thinking, well, fear. Fear has been used to dominate and control and manipulate people for, for centuries. Or you might be thinking, no, it's love. Love is the, is the greatest thing of all. Nothing can trump love when it comes to motivation. And I want to just say, well, yes, those things are very, very powerful when it comes to motivating. But I think that there's another element, which maybe we don't think of straight up, but if this element is missing, those other things actually will lose their ability to motivate us. And that element I want to talk about today and look at today is the one of hope. I want us to consider, if you think about money, you know, money without hope is pointless. If you're in a job, it doesn't matter how much money you get paid, if you lose hope of being respected, of, of achieving something significant, or you, you're on your way to resignation if you lose hope. You think about fear, even, even in some of the, the harshest situations that people have faced on the planet, perhaps it you know, might be in a concentration camp or something like that, and fear is used to dictate to people, it's used to dominate and get them to, to do hard labour and all that sort of thing. But that fear only works as long as a person has the hope of one day being free or maybe one day of getting back to their family. The moment hope goes, the will to live goes. And that person will just stand there and say, shoot me, I don't care. Love, likewise. It's, love is an amazing emotion and it certainly motivates much of what happens in our world today. But it only works in the, in the, in the context of hope. If you love someone but there is no hope of a relationship, that's just torment and it becomes demotivating. But when there's the possibility of connection, when there's the possibility of a date, when there's the possibility of maybe marriage, that's the hope. And so I want to look at hope today because hope is actually and absolutely vital. It's the only thing, I think, on this planet that will keep us going that will stop us from giving up when everything in this world seemingly is screaming, give up, why are you going on? Hope will keep us going when all the circumstances and all the voices around us are just telling us we're stupid, why are we doing that? It's pointless, just give up, forget it. It's too hard, don't worry about it. But hope will keep us going. And so this morning my message is entitled, A Hope Worth Having. And I just want to quickly pick up on a scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it's the King James Version. It simply says this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. In other words, how we live now is ultimately an indicator of what we're expecting later in life. You know, hope is the anticipation or the expectation that good things are ahead. And we all need that, don't we, to keep going. And so what I want to look at this morning is just three aspects of a hope that's worth ha having, because there are many different types of hope. I mean, there are some little hopes and there are some big hopes. I mean, I think about, you know, a child that's, um, 
got a birthday coming up. There's the, there's the hope of presents. And that's, a, you know, that's just a small hope, but it's a, it's a very um, well-founded hope, I think, if, particularly if you're in a family with a loving parents and all that sort of thing. You know, maybe people have got hopes with regards to um, you know, aspirations later in life and they want to be a scientist and they want to discover a cure for cancer or something. Or maybe they're hoping that you know, a certain football team will win the flag this year or maybe they're hoping that you know, a certain... Um, you know, certain people will be in power and they'll, they'll bring change and, and things will be better. Because so There's a whole bunch of things that people are hoping for. Some are small, some are large, some are short-term, some are, are long-term, some are fairly significant, some at the end of the day are fairly insignificant. But I want to look at three things that our hope should have if it's really worth having. And the first one, if I can have my trusty assistant bring up my little prop here. The first one is this concept of an anchor. Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to just walk that way, that would be awesome. That would sort of pay out a little bit of rope here. Hopefully it won't get too tangled up. All right, just whack it about there. That'll be good. Sweet. Excellent. All right, so the first thing about a hope worth having is it needs to be anchored. Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 19 to 20, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. And so obviously this hope that he's talking is about a hope that that revolves around faith in Jesus and all that he's done on our behalf. And so I was just thinking about this illustration of an anchor, and I thought, well, an anchor is only as good as its ability to hold its position. And if we put ourselves, you know, if we begin to think about um, an anchor and hope, you know, an anchor is there, or part, certainly part of an anchor, and particularly in the day when this was written, you know, ships didn't have engines, okay, they were really at the mercy of the currents and of the winds. And so, you know, if you were too close to shore and the wind is blowing towards the shore or the current is flowing past some rocks, the only thing between you and disaster was an anchor that was holding firm on the seabed. And I think about that, I think hope is like that. You know, we're living in a world that by and large is, is you know, there are strong currents and there are, there are mighty storms that will assail us and will try and rob us of hope and drive us onto the rocks. You know, if this is the, if this is the anchor set over here and over here we've got the rocks of the things that, that, that our lives can end up on or in if we lose hold of hope. If I have hope, for example, um, for my marriage... I'm fine. My marriage will have its ups and downs, but as long as I've got hope that as long as I continue to change, as long as Sally-Anne continues to change, as long as we make good decisions, you know, I can have an awesome marriage. I'm safe. The moment I let go of my hope or my anchor begins to drift, that's when I put myself in danger of ending up on the rocks of divorce. If I lose hope with my parenting, again, I can end up on the rocks of depression. If, I, if, I, if things are happening, that you know, my kids are off the rails and doing all sorts of things and I forget to entrust them to God, because you know, God talks about if we, if we lead a child, train up a child in the way, so they go, ultimately, they won't turn from it. They're going to test the boundaries. Gonna, but if we lose hope of that, if we don't know that God is interested and invested in our kids and we lose sight of that and we, and we have our, our focus on the storms that are the kids doing their own thing and perhaps not you know, doing their, what they should do at home and perhaps some of the language that comes out of their mouth and perhaps some of the things that they accuse us of and we let go of hope, 
we can end up depressed. We can end up despairing. We can end up hurting. Likewise, at work, many of the situations that we, we have hope in, those things in and of themselves aren't necessarily stable enough to hold us through the storms of life. It's all about how strong the anchor is that we're holding on to. And like I said, there are rocks in our life of depression, despair, fear, addiction. These are the things that people end up on when they lose sight of hope. Many hopes are too easily overpowered. You know, you put your hope in work. You think, well, if I can get a good job, if I can earn lots of money, I'll set myself up, I'll, I'll be happy, I'll be able to afford all But the trouble is with work, it's subject to an economy. And so work, you know, when you put all your stock in work or your hope in work for a good life and suddenly the economy begins to change and you're heading towards the rocks. We need to have something that it doesn't matter how bad things get, it doesn't matter how bad the economy gets, it doesn't matter what people around about us are saying, it doesn't matter how our relationships are faring, it doesn't matter what our bank um, balance looks like, it doesn't matter what our political scenario looks like, it doesn't matter what our football team's doing. That we can hold firm and not be moved and not pushed into despair or depression or those other things that are just waiting for us ultimately because the Bible talks about the fact we have an, an enemy you know, Jesus, in fact, said that the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. He hates humanity and he is continually seeking to undermine our confidence and to take us into dark places where God is wanting to bring us into light places and, and joyful places and good places. So misplaced hope ultimately is like an anchor that just drags. And the trouble is with an anchor that drags is you think you're safe. You know, you might go to bed one night in the boat and all's good, you're, you know a kilometre offshore, and you think, what could possibly go wrong? But if in the night your anchor is dragging and you're not aware of it and you wake up in the morning, often it's too late to do something. And like I said, many people put their hope in things like I've mentioned. Perhaps it's in wealth, perhaps it's in relationships, perhaps it's in success or achievement, or all these things. And they don't realise that those things are not immovable. That gradually they begin to drag as the storms and the currents of life take hold of them, and they don't wake up until it's too late, and they find themselves in a place of despair. They find themselves in a place of brokenness. And so I just want to encourage us this morning that there's only one sure place that you can put your hope. And we just read about that. It talks about that we have our hope as an anchor. It goes in behind the veil. It's talking about the fact we have a hope that is attached to Jesus Christ himself. You know, the Bible speaks of Jesus as an immovable rock. If we are attached to him, he will not move. He is not subject to the economy of this world. He is not subject to people's opinions. He is not subject to, p to political opinions uh, or political um, uh, regimes. He's not subject to anything that we and all that we normally put our hope in is subject to. So I would encourage every one of us to make sure that our hope, first and foremost, over and above everything else, I mean, yeah, gonna, we're going to have short-term hopes in life. But ultimately, beyond all of that, we need to have a hope that is grounded firmly in Christ Jesus. The second point I want to make is this, that a hope worth having is not just like an anchor, but it's a living hope. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
from the dead. Now again, if I stick with this anchor imagery here, Jesus has anchored us firmly in this life. And if we are able to stay connected to him, we will not move. It doesn't matter what happens to our life. Yes, good things will happen, bad things will happen, some, some devastating things will happen, but if we keep our eyes on Christ, if we are connected to him, we will hold our position and we'll be protected from the rocks that are, that are kind of ravenous for us, if you like. But what about when you get to the end of yourself? Because Jesus isn't going to change. That's not the problem. The problem isn't Jesus moving. The problem is us. Somehow this, this connection point that we have with Jesus coming to the end of itself. You know, whether we let go or whether, you know, as in a hurricane it's been known to happen, you know, you've got a, a, an anchor that is firmly connected to the, to the bottom of the ocean. But just the sheer force of the wind and the current, you know, sometimes anchor ropes have been known to part. And then suddenly again, the ship is at the mercy of the winds and the currents and can end up on the rocks. And I love this, you know, because we have limits. There are points when we feel we're at breaking point. There are points when we feel we cannot hold on any longer. And I want to read quickly a, a section from Acts chapter seven, uh, 27. And it's actually to do with when Paul and some of his companions were in a storm. Paul uh, and, and Luke found themselves on a boat. And it says this, they were, they were trying to get to, um, to Rome and basically they were trying to beat the wind. They were trying to beat the, the winter. And so this is the situation. It says, um, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. This is the crew. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, and so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed the lee of a small island of Cowder, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. You can imagine being in a ship that is so assailed by the wind that the whole thing is creaking and the, 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 the boards are starting to open up and there's water starting to come in, so they're putting ropes around to try and just hold the boat together. It was pretty, pretty, uh, a pretty fearful time for them. It says, fearing they would run aground, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. This is a different type of anchor than what we're talking about now. But it says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day we began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. This is a storm, a wind that has been blowing for three days, day and night. And these guys are at the end of themselves. And it says, when, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. That's that point when you're a Christian, you know God's there, you know you'll get to heaven, but in terms of what's going on right now here, you've just got nothing left. You just let go. But we're talking about a living hope. And the thing about, I, love, I love about a living hope is that it's not internal, it's external. You know, many people's hope is dependent upon what they can conjure up from within. It's about positive thinking. It's about a matter of will. It's about believe against all hope sometimes. Hope against all hope. And as Christians, again, we're not saying that's what we believe in. That's not, I'm not saying that's what, I don't recommend that. 
I'm saying, no, no, we've got to have a hope that is well and truly grounded in Christ. But we need to understand at the same time that he loves us enough that he will not enable us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. And when we get to the end of ourselves, he will come through. You know, God is often called the God of the 11th hour. He doesn't often come to us and encourage us and strengthen our hope when things are rosy. But it's at the moment when we're given up, or all but given up, that God will come in. And this is the difference between a living hope or a dead hope, or an internal hope and an external hope. We have a hope that God himself is committed to. And so we see divine intervention is often what happens when we get to the point where we're going to give up on ourselves. And we see that's exactly what happened. Luke, having just said we'd just given up all hope, it then says after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Stating the obvious. Bless him. <laughs> then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all the men who sail with you. So what happened? We had people who were at the end of themselves. They had no hope left. And yet God divinely steps into their circumstance. In this case, an angelic visitation. Sometimes it's just that, that sense of peace. It seems like all hell is breaking loose around you and yet somehow there's this inexplicable sense of peace on the inside. It's divine intervention. It's part of that living hope. It's God himself stepping into our lives when we've got nothing left to give or nothing, no strength to hold on anymore. I think of Hannah last year, and um, you may have remember, many of you have seen her testimony, and you know, after six months of, of getting no sleep at night, you know, she would go to bed, um, 12 o'clock she would wake up, she'd be in agony until 5 o'clock, we've gone to doctors, she's tried all sorts of medications, nothing is doing anything for her. And the only thing she said she held on to was the scripture, there was a few scriptures that God had highlighted to him. One of them was, I will not live, but I will die. Oh, sorry, I will not die, but I will live. She was probably thinking she won't live, but she'll die. She was probably thinking that at times when she's just in excruciating agony and we can't do anything. We're just, we're just the parents sort of looking on. And the doctors can't give any advice. And you're thinking, well, what is it? Is it something that's going to take her life or not? And certainly I would imagine, you know, when you're in the midst of the pain, you're possibly even almost wishing that it would. But God had given her a promise. You will not die, but live. And there are other scriptures that she was showing me yesterday. She had little sticky notes that she just put around that were a continual source of encouragement to her because God is faithful. And so God would remind her of those things when she felt like giving up. And how many of you, in your circumstances, in your situations, have had a word in season? Again, sometimes it's a direct word from God. Sometimes it's an audible voice. Sometimes it's an inaudible voice. Sometimes you're, just, you're not sure you're about to drop your bundle. You're about to just give up and, and let go of the, what you thought was a promise, what you thought, uh, what you were hoping for. And someone just comes alongside and says, I was just praying for you the other day. And God spoke to me and just encouraged, just don't give up, keep going. That's a living hope. This isn't about what we can conjure up. Within. This isn't about our tenacity. This isn't our ability to endure pain. This is about when we get to the end of ourselves. God himself is committed to us and wants to speak in to directly and intervene in our situation. That's the difference between a living hope 
and just wishful thinking, really. The last thing I want to talk about is the fact that we have a hope, or a hope worth having, rather, is one that's lasting. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, Paul says this, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Why? Well, again, many of you would know, if you've read much of the Bible, that Paul himself suffered tremendously for his testimony as a Christian. Okay, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was whipped, he was mocked, he was abused, he was rejected, all sorts of things. Like that. And, he, and he was, you know, what was happening to him was happening to many Christians. And he's saying, look, if this hope we have is just really just a, a, a big, um, you know, if we're all kidding ourselves, if it's just a vain hope, if it's just hope against hope, if it's just wishful thinking, if it's just, you know, positive thinking, mate, we ought to be full, more full than anyone. Because, you know, life, you know, there's too much we're missing out on. You know, we could, be, we could be investing our lives so much better if we're just kidding ourselves right now. We might as well, if it's, if it's you know, live, um, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die, well, let's eat, drink and be merry. Really, don't live like a Christian. But we know that's not the case. He goes on and says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So in Christ, all will be made alive. And I spoke last Sunday night about, or sorry, two Sunday nights ago, I'd encourage you to listen to the message. If you're, if you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, this whole Christianity thing, I think it's a little bit pie in the sky, to be honest. I, I, think, I think, you know, it is a bit of a vain hope. I think it is just wishful thing. I would encourage you to go back and to have a listen to that message because there is good reason for our faith. Our faith as Christians, our hope is well-grounded. It's grounded in the historical person of Jesus Christ. A man who was like no other man. A man who did some amazing things, said some amazing things, taught some amazing things. We have a record of his life in the Bible. We read that having lived a wonderful life and an inspirational life and having healed many and even raised some people from the dead, that he himself was killed. And all hope at that point, I think, was pretty much gone. But hope was rekindled when Jesus himself rose from the dead. And I think the lives of those that were closest to him are testament to the fact that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And the evidence, oh, sorry, the existence of the church today is also testament to that fact. I would encourage you to have a think, a strong think about those things. And so we have a hope that is worth having, a hope that is lasting. But many people don't. Many people are living from one small or short-term hope to the next. You know, maybe it's the hope of a holiday. Maybe it's the hope of a relationship. Maybe it's the hope of an experience or an achievement. The trouble is all of those things have use-by dates. All of those things are temporal. All of those things are here today and gone tomorrow. And so I want us to, to think about that. You know, how many people in their life, when they don't have an eternal hope, when they don't have a, a hope that transcends this life, and they're living for the holidays, what happens when you had your holiday? Well, okay, I'll hope in my next holiday. What happens if you thought, well, life would be so much better if only I was married? And you put all your hope in getting married. And then you get married and you think, ah, it's not what I thought it would be. I thought it would be much easier than this. Or I thought it would be, you know, or having children. Or getting a job. You know, some people's hopes are unrealistic. They think that, you know, life is, that there's no gain without, you know, they think that there's pain or gain without pain. But anything that's worth having, there's going to be a cost associated to it. 
And so often people don't realise that. Or they get, to, they get there what they want and they realise it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And so if a person's lived their life to get married, they get married. What then? Well, then maybe they think, okay, I need to change my hope focus. I'll put my hope in children. Maybe children will give me fulfilment. Or maybe getting a raise or maybe a promotion or these sorts of things will give me fulfilment. But they're short term and they're temporal. And the sad thing is that many people get to the end of their lives and they're standing, you know, when we start life, we, we, we start with, you know, a list of hopes and dreams and aspirations that you probably couldn't even begin to list them all off. There are so many of them. And as we go through life, you know, some of those things get knocked out of us and, and we realise that some of our hopes and dreams were unrealistic, but many we achieve. But the sad thing is that many people, you know, get to a little bit later on in life and they look back and everything they'd hoped for, even if they've achieved everything they'd hoped and imagined for, it's in the past. And they're standing on the other side having had all this expectation of what this will do for them and what this will give them and, and they're feeling empty and hollow and that life is meaningless because they've achieved all they wanted to achieve. But it hasn't done from what they'd hoped. Perhaps other people haven't been so lucky or so blessed and they've, they've realised that just through sheer life happening to them, that they're never going to be able to afford the holiday they always thought would make them happy. Maybe they're not going to be able to have the children they'd hoped for. Maybe they're not even going to get married. Maybe they are able to afford the holiday, but maybe along the way they lost their health and they can't enjoy the holiday. So many people have got their hopes in so many different things that are fleeting, that don't really cut it when it comes to what life is all about. I want to encourage us to live a life that is grounded in Christ. I want to encourage us to not give up small hopes. And I'm not saying, you know, just get religious and go away and, you know, focus on Jesus and climb a mountain or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, life is full of hopes, and they're great hopes. You know, God loves, he created relationship. He puts in us the hope, the aspiration for, for marriage and for children and all those sort of things. He gives us the ability to earn wealth, and he, he has a, puts a sense of purpose and destiny in us, and all of these things are good and godly. But those things outside of the broader framework of who God is and his plans and purposes for this world, ultimately they're going to fall short. That's very loud. <laughs> Up here, anyway. So I want us to consider our life in the view of eternity. We all need help. We all need hope. Sadly, though, what many are hoping is going to let them down. And again, even as Christians, if your hope isn't well and truly grounded in Christ, if he's just an added afterthought and you haven't really processed what we are called to, you too are going to get blown and shaken and, and the life, life is going to come at you hard. And if you don't really have your hope in Christ, you're going to find that your anchor will begin to drag. You'll begin to find that you'll, want, you'll be letting go and you'll be finding that you'll be becoming susceptible to the things that Christians should never become susceptible to despair and addictions and all of those sorts of things. Brokenness. You know, we come to Christ with those sort of things often, 
But God is wanting to lift us up and out of those things. And so what are some of the things that we should be hoping for? You know, if we can put our life within God's divine framework. You know, when we say read the Bible, when we say pray, what we're saying is, is get to know God. Get to understand His plans and purposes for your life. Get to know how much He loves you. Get to know His will and His ways. Get to know the sort of things that He's interested in. Get to know the promises that He has for you. And that way, you know, if you don't get your holiday, or if you don't get your partner, or if you don't get your promotion at work, you're able to put that small hope, and I don't want to be um, disrespectful, but I know, I know it's a big thing for those that are battling through, but compared to knowing God, compared to serving God, compared to discovering, understanding and fulfilling the purpose that He has for you in this world. That's what we need to understand. That God And all things being equal, as we devote ourselves to God, as we commit ourselves to living His will and His ways, ultimately you're going to become a better person. You're going to become a person who is far more likely to find a partner and to be able to keep a partner or find a job and keep a job and so on and so forth. We don't miss out by prioritising God. We just need to make sure we've got our hopes in the right place so that we're not devastated, we're not shipwrecked when things don't turn out in the short term. Okay, God doesn't want to rob you of life. God doesn't want to deny you of fun or a, or a sense of enjoyment and expectation for the future. There are many blessings that God has for you in this life and in the next. And I just want to encourage you to make the most of this life while it's here but understand that even if the wheels fell off and you had a terrible life here, the best is yet to come. Because we get to be forever with Him who loves us. We get to see family, friends, those who have gone before us. We get to be reunited. For those that have battled disability, for those that have battled sickness and have been limited physically, the Bible speaks of a, a new life, a health and a vibrance and a... And a, and a, and a um, strength that we've never known before. There are so many things that are before us. And again, I can't I don't have time to talk about them all here, but I would encourage you to go to the Word of God to read and reflect and allow God Himself to inspire hope in you so that you're not dictated to by what people think about you, so that you're not dictated to by the political climate or the economy or how your footy team's going or how your kids are going or how your marriage is going and all that sort of thing. If you will stick with God, He will give you hope for the future, and he'll also be able to give you hope for all of those areas as well. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.